It's the most wonderful time of the year. Unless your shopping isn't done, your Christmas cards aren't mailed, and your presents aren't wrapped. If this is you, I'm with you, but this year I do have a really good excuse. Hi, this is Candy O'Terry. Welcome to the story behind her success. You may remember this because I did tell you about it. Nearly two years ago, I hurt my lower back really badly. And that injury kind of came back with a vengeance over the last couple of weeks. So I've been doing a lot of laying down, but I am getting better every day. And the good news is I can stand, sit, and walk. So I'm heading in the right direction, right? Okay, on with the show. In the spotlight, a woman who has climbed the ladder of success in the banking industry. And we haven't had a guest on the show from that particular industry. So as the president of Citizens Bank of Massachusetts, She represents the bank in an official capacity with civic, business, and community leaders across the state. And you would think that job alone would take up all of her time, but there's more. She's also the director of Not-for-Profit and Professionals Banking, and she leads an initiative called Citizens Helping Citizens. Her personal commitment to charities like the Pine Street Inn and Big Sisters Boston are incredible. And let's not forget, she's also the mother of two teenagers, which should keep her busy enough. Her name is Lisa Murray, and this is her story. Lisa, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Candy. Do you sleep? On occasion, (laughs) when I can. (laughs) I'm reading all about you to get ready for this interview, and I got tired just reading about it. Depends on the day. Oh, my goodness. Let's go back to when you first entered the banking industry right out of college. What was your goal then, and what attracted you to the banking industry? So I came out of college in 1991, which you may know was not a great time for finding jobs. So my goal at the time was full-time employment. But my stepmother actually worked at Shamit, and she said she knew of a program called 1-800-SHAMIT, where they teach you the ins and outs of retail banking, and then you literally sit on the phone and answer calls. And it was the best training I ever could have started with. I mean, you learn to problem solve. You learn how to listen, how to de-escalate things, all about customer service. So it really was just the perfect first job for me. Well, you mentioned your stepmom, and she certainly had a great idea for you. Did you have a mentor, a role model, who showed you the way in the banking industry? I would say it was my stepmother, Arlene Curley. She was an assistant to Larry Fish at the time. She worked oh, with him. wow. Uh-huh. And uh, she just had this way about her, this quiet confidence. And she was the jack of all trades. Anytime something needed to be done, she would raise her hand. You are also a member of the group Chief, which is a powerful network for successful women in every field all across the United States. So how has that worked for you? Are you a mentor yourself? And how does the whole thing work? I am. I'm actually a mentor through the IWF, the International Women's Foundation. It's just such a wonderful gift to be able to see somebody who was me 25, 30 years ago, just to help them and listen and be able to be a soundboard. So, yeah, I really love that aspect of it. You know, I've always been a believer in mentoring, and I've done that myself in broadcast. And whenever I'm working with a mentee, I always say, you know, this is the gift that keeps on giving. But you have to make sure that you pass it on. As women, I think it's so important. I think we really do stand on each other's shoulders. And it's our responsibility as we succeed to help the next person behind us. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I, I liken it to, you know, you have to lean back and help bring people up with you. And I think that there's something to be said for once you've reached the pinnacle of your career, 
moving on and giving room for people to come up. That's interesting. There are many parts to your job. So walk me through your role as president of Citizens Bank of Massachusetts. When did you get that title? And walk me through your day. What's it like? I took on this role a little over a year ago, last September, so I haven't been in the role that long. But it really is just the face of the bank. I feel fortunate to be the Massachusetts presidents because we have such a rich culture here. This is one of our premier markets. We've been here the longest. So we have great, great, strong relationships with our community. Part of what I do is go out into the community and listen to what organizations are doing. And it dovetails perfectly with my day job of running not-for-profit and professionals. So we really just go out and support all the fabulous missions that are going on in our great commonwealth. Well, this is a tough time. I mean, here we are with inflation at record highs. We're trying to come out of the pandemic. Take the pulse of our community here in Boston. And I'm sure this is going to be true across the country. What are you hearing and what do you see? The biggest issue is the labor force. Hard stop. All of our organizations, whether it's human services, whether it's health care, everyone is just struggling to find people to work. And the problem is that, you know, with Amazon paying $20 an hour, the reimbursement rates have gone up here in the city and in the state, but it's not comparable with the rise in the private sector. And that's a real challenge because people working in Pine Street Inn, people working in Bridgewell, they have a calling. It takes special people to work in these organizations. And if they can work at Amazon and make more money, less stress, sometimes that's a decision they have to make. Do you think that there's been a switch in the mindset of Americans following the pandemic regarding lifestyle, regarding work, regarding particularly working from home? Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, speaking for the not-for-profit, you're touching the individuals in need. So you can't work hybrid. You can't work remote. And so that's another real challenge. And another issue is the child care. It's a 30-year low in women participating in the workforce. 30-year low. All the work we've done in the past 30 years to get women a higher percentage and get equality, out the door from the pandemic. You know, that's the part that breaks my heart the it most. Does. It really makes me crazy because I think about women like my mom, who was a buyer for Lord & Taylor, Saks Fifth Avenue, Bonwit Teller. She worked full time. She was a trailblazer. And she'd be losing her mind to see this happening today. I know. I, know. I, I was a latchkey kid. My mom had a full time job. Fortunately, I was able to continue on in my career when I was raising my kids. And and I truly believe that I was fortunate. I had family around. I could afford to have childcare. That's not the case for many people. And to think of the impact taking a couple years off to raise your kids has on your ultimate career path, it's pretty significant. You know, McKinsey did a study recently, and they call it the great breakup. And it has to do with the fact that in particular women, and these would be younger women, Mm -hmm. are much less tolerant of changes in their family situation that are affected by their job. So, for instance, if you can't be flexible about where they work, if you can't give them all the benefits that they need, they're just not going to do it. It's a different mindset, isn't it? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And it should be. It should be. We should be trying to organize in a way that can allow people to have work-life balance. I'm actually sitting on the Coalition for Early Childhood Education, which is a fantastic group of people trying to figure this out. And really, we're looking at it with a partnership between the public and the government. How do we address this 
issued together because it's going to have to be that partnership if we're going to solve it. It can't just be one entity throwing money at it if the business community is not going to be flexible and, and come up with creative ideas because what we're doing now is not working. You've mentioned not-for-profits quite a few times, and I can tell that that's what really makes your heart sing. It does. It does. I took over this job of state president a little over a year ago, and I started running the not-for-profit about three years ago. So while I've always been active personally with the nonprofits, this is now the culmination of all my passions are coming together in one place. So tell us a little bit about that part of your job. We support not-for-profits in this business line. We provide capital. We provide treasury solutions. We help them to run their organizations in the most efficient way possible so that they can have the maximum impact for their mission. You also are the lead for Citizens Helping Citizens, the initiative. Yes. What's that all about? So that's part of what we do in the community every day. And we just celebrated last week, we had an event celebrating 20 years of Champions in Action, which is our signature program. And basically twice a year, we pick a topical mission, if you will, and then we accept applications and we select a champion in action and we give them 35000 in unrestricted funds, which is key, the unrestricted funds, because that allows the people that run this organization to do what they think is the highest and best use of those funds. We also partner with NBC10 and gives them media coverage. So it really raises the brand and the visibility of the organization. And then we put our money where our mouth is and we do volunteerism, both NBC10 and citizens. We go in and roll up our sleeves. I'm guessing that in order to lead in these three huge parts of your job, you've got to walk the walk and you've got to talk the talk with deep ties to causes and to charities that you believe in. And I was so impressed with your resume. Let's first talk about your work with the Pine Street Inn. Yes. So when I first started in banking, I had just moved from Shamit over to State Street Bank. I'd been at Shamit for five or six years. So in 97, I moved over to State Street, which is sort of this small little boutique bank back in the day. And I was at a dinner event and sitting next to a woman and we just started chatting and she was telling me about the work she does with the Pine Street Inn and she was on their board. And I was young enough at the time, I was looking to get more involved. I hadn't really chosen which path I wanted to go down. So she suggested that I just go over to the inn and sort of see what they do. And I did. And I joined their advisory board. Fast forward five years later, I was the chair of the advisory board. Then I took a few years off to have my kids trying to manage the time. So I didn't have a lot of extra time for charity work. But then when I came back to working full time, I connected with Lyndia Downing, who is just the most amazing woman on the planet. And she asked me if I'd join their board. So I did. Big Sisters Boston. Yes. Um, what a great organization. There are so many in the city. It's, it's really mind-numbing how, how many great organizations. And a lot of them are female-run, sense of theme here. They do great work. In, talk about mentoring. I mean, they do great work in the, in the city. I think young girls need to see women doing what they want to do someday in right. order to really understand that they can do that too, right? Absolutely. If she can do it, I can do it. The MBA Charitable Foundation. So I just joined them on their board. It's a great coalition of all the banks across the Commonwealth. And we get to learn from one another and see what challenges they're facing and really just brainstorm on how we can help them to be successful as an industry and how do we tell our stories and let people know that banks really are here to help them. We're not here to be the big monster behind the screen, (laughs) which sometimes we get painted with. As you climbed the ladder, were there other women alongside of you who helped you along, gave you a lift? gave you a hand. There was a woman, Jackie Termosino, who was running the commercial bank 
at State Street. And she was sort of the, the most senior woman I had seen in banking. And she's just this tiny five-foot-tall powerhouse. I'm six-foot-tall, so you can see. <laughs> and she was just such a presence, but she did it in such a manner. She was very kind and open. And I really looked to her and said, you know, that's what I want to do someday because she had an impact. I want to be like her. I want to be like her. What is your leadership philosophy, and did it take you a while to develop it? Did you borrow some things from women like you just described? Oh, absolutely. I describe my leadership style as sort of supportive team player. I, at least I hope that's how I'm perceived. I want to roll up my sleeves and dig into the issues and, and really support my people. That's what I feel my job is, is to be an advocate for them as they progress through their career and just to do the right thing. You are also described as a trusted advisor, and I'm guessing that must be one of the highest compliments. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, I think it's so critically important in banking, but it's important in my job as president as well, but also working with our clients to know that, that we have their back, that we are an internal advocate for them. Certainly coming through the pandemic, it was more important than ever that they felt that we were there to support them. And I'm really proud of how the bank adjusted when the pandemic hit. I mean, Nobody knew what was coming. When the PPP program came in, we had hundreds of colleagues who just dropped everything and went to work trying to figure out how to get these PPP loans processed and out to our clients. I was talking to some of our borrowers, you know, at 10 o'clock at night, 6 o'clock in the morning, over Easter holiday. It was such an emotional time for everyone, a really scary time for everyone. So I think that what our clients have said is they got great comfort knowing that the bank was not going to hit the panic button, but was going to be there to support them. Speaking of that, relationships are everything mm -hmm. in every industry, no matter what you do for a living. Has this been true for you? Absolutely. One of my, I call him my common law work husband, we went through credit training at Shawmut together, and we're still great friends. And I go to him all the time for advice on how to handle a situation. And he's very candid, and he knows me well, so he gives me the, <laughs> the raw feedback that I need. Fostering those long-term relationships is really what makes this job fun. I'm guessing, though, because of what you have to do, your hands have to be so deep into the community itself mm -hmm. through all the not-for-profits, right? Through yeah. entrepreneurs who want to take loans out from Citizens Bank, you have to cultivate those relationships. You really do. We just had our 20th anniversary for the Champions in Action. So we had, I think, 40 different not-for-profits come to the celebration and just hearing them tell their story and how their organization has evolved over some of them 20 years. And it's those relationships that, you know, keep us going and show that the work that we're doing is paying off. You know, I'm a big believer in the fact that our childhood is what shapes and molds us. Mm -hmm. It's our foundation. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if you can tell our listeners a little bit about where you come from and what was life like in your house? Sure. So I grew up in Acton, lived there my whole life until I went away to college. And my parents got divorced when I was seven. As I said earlier, I was a latchkey kid. I have a sister who's a year older. We're almost Irish twins. But I grew up in a very loving house. I mean, we would go to my grandparents' house for all the holidays in Lexington. I now live in that house, and I'm raising my kids in the house where my mother grew up. We were middle class, didn't have a lot extra, but we had enough, and that was that. Was there a mantra in your house, a golden rule? What was drilled into you when you were growing up about what really matters in it, this life? Yeah, I think you take care of your own. Whatever life throws at you, you just have to rally around it. And I've had many times in my life where sort of things weren't going as planned, and you just have to just power through it, and that's what we do. 
my mother's still very close with us, and I tell my kids the same thing. When challenges come up, you just have to not panic, take deep breath, and figure it out. Who was your role model when you were growing up, somebody that you looked up to and wanted to be like? Well, certainly my mother, because, again— The number one answer on this program. (laughs) (laughs) Again, divorced when my sister and I were very young, and she wasn't really working before that. Got a job, figured it out, and supported us all the way through college. My sister is a a chef down in Newport, and her kids are really tight with my kids. So she set the example of you have to work hard, but you can play hard. What was the work ethic? What was the message in your house? I wouldn't say there really was a message. My dad was sort of this serial entrepreneur. He ran the Mass Teachers Association, and then he was running a restaurant. So he kind of did the full gamut. But it was really just you know, find your place and just work really hard. You attended UConn in my home state of Connecticut. You studied economics. Good thing, because it worked for that banking (laughs) career of yours. Did Did you know, though, what you wanted to do with your life? When you went to UConn, did you have a dream? Absolutely not. No idea (laughs) what I wanted to do. She says (laughs) honestly. I had no idea what I wanted to do. When I came out, there was really not a lot of jobs to be had. So I was just so fortunate to find my niche. And I've done a bunch of different things in banking over the years, but there seems to be some calling for me. I love going out and meeting people and figuring out, you know, when I was working in middle market, what are they doing? What what are they trying to build? How are they selling it? How has it evolved? So I'm sort of like the Oprah Winfrey of banking. I love to ask a thousand questions um, (laughs) and try to figure out, you know, where everyone's going. Um, That's a great title. I'm going to remember you always as the Oprah Winfrey of banking. I just love that. I don't know if she'd appreciate that, but... (laughs) That's okay. She didn't hear that, so it's all right. It's okay. You've mentioned your children a couple of times. Can you tell me how did motherhood change you, Lisa? In every way possible. My kids are my finest accomplishment in life, without a doubt. Uh, My son just went away to college this year. So that was heartbreaking, but also a proud moment. And my daughter's a junior in high school, and they both are just empathetic, kind, funny, self-deprecating people. And I just couldn't be more proud to be their their parents. We were actually at the Pine Street Inn on Saturday wrapping Christmas presents that we've done every year, except for the last couple. And my son brought his girlfriend. My daughter brought a friend. So we're trying to kind of keep up the uh, the spirit of you, you give back to your community. Next three questions we ask everybody who is a guest here on our show. The first one is, when an obstacle is in your path, how do you get around it? Really just try to get to the core of the issue. Because sometimes I think problems are not really as bad as they seem on the start. So, you know, break it down into its parts, figure out how to move forward and just continue on. Because if you get wrapped up in, in the problems, you never succeed. What is the best piece of advice you've ever received? This can be professional or it can be personal. And can you pass that along to our listeners today? I would say the best piece of advice I've gotten is to not take yourself too seriously. <laughs> You have to be able to – I laugh at myself more than anyone does. (laughs) And I think that that really keeps perspective. If you get too far in front of yourself, you miss the details of what's going on. I also believe that we see our lives in chapters. And I'm wondering, at this moment, in this chapter of your life, Lisa Murray, president of Citizens Bank (laughs) Massachusetts, what does success mean to you? Success – to me, is being able to make an impact. I want to do more of that. Now with the kids growing up, I have more time to make it a bigger impact. I'm loving the work that I'm doing with Mass Business Roundtable, with Mass Taxpayers, getting into that sort of public-private partnership 
And I think that so much more could be done if we just work together. And I want to work on breaking down those silos because I think there's so many people who want to do the right thing. We're just not working smartly together to come up with the solution. I want to say thank you so much for sharing your story and being our guest this week on The Story Behind Her Success. Thanks so much, Candy. It was wonderful being here. And that's The Story Behind Her Success for this week. My thanks to Lisa Murray, president of Citizens Bank of Massachusetts, for sharing her story with us today. Thank you so much for listening to The Story Behind Her Success. I got to tell you, this is a weekly labor of love for me and for our producer. His name is John Shea. Shout out also to my sister friend, J.C. Dawn Valeris, for sharing her social media, her graphic design, and her website brilliance with me. I'm always on the lookout for the next woman to profile, so if you have someone in mind, will you let me know? Just go to my website, candyoterry.com. That's candy with a Y, O-T-E-R-R-Y.com. Give the show a follow on your favorite podcast platform, and please tell your friends and your family about the show. When we share our stories, no matter where we are in this great big world, we provide a roadmap toward success. Merry Christmas and happy holidays to you and to yours. And also, here's to 2023. May it be your best year ever. What's your story? I can't wait to hear it. <laughs>